Welcome to Sonacast, a podcast from the team at Sona Nanotech Inc. Sona's unique gold nanorods will power next generation diagnostic devices and medical applications. In every podcast, we seek to learn more about our industry with expert insight and special guests. Welcome to episode three of Sonacast. Team Sona recently attended the Rapid Point of Care Test Development Workshop in St. Louis, Missouri. And in this episode, Sona's Chief Technology Officer, Dr. Colbia Singh, talks to Michael Mansfield of Millipore Sigma and Hugh Gorget de Cremier of Merck about the growing importance of multiplexing for lateral flow assays. Uh, my name is Dr. Michael Mansfield. I'm with Millipore Sigma. I'm a senior applications development scientist with the Biomonitoring and Regulated Materials Group. Fundamentally, we uh, supply raw materials to the diagnostics market on an OEM basis. Uh, through the conference I learned you have lots of experience in lateral flow assay. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is, what excites you about uh, the future of point-of-care point devices? I think what is probably the most exciting aspect of it is the fact that it's continuing to grow. I get into the, the uh, point-of-care market probably 20 years ago, and at that point in time uh, we were told that lateral flow as a technology for point-of-care was going to be dead within four or five years. And in fact, it has grown every year for the last 20 years, and one of the hallmarks of it is the fact that it is such an economical platform for devising diagnostic tests. Uh, coupled with their, the ease of use. And you can find other diagnostic assays that can do things that lateral flow can't, but they tend to be more expensive, and they require trained personnel, so they're going to be limited to either central lab facilities or hospital laboratories, not something that could be uh, dispersed to, let's say, a home care setting because they're just too complex to run. Yeah. So what are the biggest challenges uh, with the existing labels uh, uh, for the multiplexing uh, lateral flow assay? Well, multiplexing of lateral flow assays uh, requires distinguishing each of the specific chemistries, and excuse me, not the specific chemist, but each particular um, diagnostic test within that multiplexed group. And you have to be able to do it uh, in such a way that you can be sure that the signal that you get is a true positive for that assay yes. and not potentially a non-specific interaction of some other chemistry within the multiplex system. So what you find is that as you go into more and more diversity of the multiplexing, what becomes a challenge is ensuring the specificity of the signal that you generate at any given location. Many of the multiplex uh, systems that I'm aware of are based on location of that particular signal within the multiplex platform. And if it's simply a location determination as to whether or not there's a positive or negative, my question is, what is the assuredness that that signal that you're seeing is truly specific for the chemistry at that location and not potentially some other sort of artifactual interaction that is giving you a false positive? And what are the current challenges in the multiplex assay development? Uh, multiplexing uh, currently is, uh, there, there I'd probably say that the challenges are figuring out exactly what is going to be accepted in the market that you're trying to go after. Uh, one of the things that I've seen as a general trend across all testing platforms is uh, moving towards miniaturization with the idea that the smaller the system, the more tests you can make and potentially a better business model behind it. But there are limits to how small you can go because you get down to a level where the customer would say, well, you know, I have to take this thing 
I have to treat it with a sample and I put it into this black box and the black box spits out results. And then I take it out of the black box and look at it and I really don't see anything. And I'm going like, well, am I really looking at results or am I relying solely on the instrumentation to give me the results? I don't have an independent confirmation. So multiplexing, it's one of the things that I've always heard as a nice aspect of uh, many of the fluorophores, for instance, is that you know many of them uh, have a slight visible signal with them so that you can actually see a visible signal at a specific location whether it's on a membrane or in the bottom of a well you can actually by eye pick up the color and people can say oh okay so yes I do have a positive signal I'm just going to get a quantitative number when I put it into my reader Um, that's that's a good thing because it gives some level of confidence to the user that they can actually verify by you know, gives them a sense of satisfaction. They can see it, therefore they can measure it. Yeah. When you get to a point where you can't see it and you still have to measure it, you go, hmm, I, okay, I'm just following what the instructions say, but am I really confident in what the results are uh-huh. that are coming back? Uh, and and this speaks back to the whole miniaturization yes. question as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you put so many things down onto a one like a test strip where you put yes. an array down to onto a microporous On, membrane yes. where you have separation of the spots of maybe you know you're putting down pike leaders that are separated by you know sub millimeter distances yeah. and you look at it and you go like wow I can't really distinguish anything that's going on and I'm going like well okay so yeah, but then you have to add in, you know, like onboard controls yes. so that you know how that particular test strip is performing. If the test strip doesn't perform right because one of the controls has failed, yeah. uh, you know, it, that becomes another issue because now another test has to be run. True. And I think one of the other issues that affects multiplexing is an understanding of how you consider uh, the quality control of the test before it is being released. So, for instance, if you take a lateral flow test where you have one test line and one control line, you're relying on two lines lines. to perform to expectation. If one of them fails to expectation, it's a reject. Yes. Okay. If you have a multiplex where you have one control line and let's say five lines, or let's say you have a multiplexed array on a membrane where you've got four control spots and 30 test spots, now you've got to be wondering... What happens if one of those test spots on the array or one of those lines on a multi-lined lateral flow assay fails? Yes. What's your yield? Your yield is still zero. Zero, yes. One spot or on a multiplexed array, one line on a multiplexed lateral flow test. Yeah. That means the whole the whole strip is is a failure, regardless of how well the other things work. And as a consequence of that, what you're doing is you're superimposing onto one test platform all of these cost inputs yes. associated with each individual test and you have to make sure that they're all working. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a good example of what happens with uh, lateral flow tests where people are trying to multiplex, there are two different strategies. Yes. One is to put multiple lines onto a single strip. Yes, or use multiple strips. Or, the op- as you say, the opposite, which is to use multiple strips but in one sampling. Yes. And you can, you know, the individual strips, you can quality control each of those separately and assuming they all work fine, you assemble your multiplexed unit. But if you have, you know, the same number of tests that you're making, but now you've got multiple lines on one test strip, if one of the lines fails, 
the whole batch has to be remade. Yes. In a multi-strip system, if one of the strips fails, that's the only one that has to be remade. So, considering color-based uh, multiplexing, mm-hmm. uh, is in interest growing, or which way is the industrial interest in those color-based multiplexing? I think in, what we're finding with a lot of the uh, the multiplexing detection systems, uh, generally, it's 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 highly varied. There isn't any trend that I have seen towards one or the other, yes. except that most of them are going to some sort of fluorescence. because they they really need to have the reader-based systems to distinguish the signals. And usually it's because the multiplexing is tied to to quantitative numbers. Um, For qualitative multiplexing, that is where you would probably want to see a multiple color-based system. Uh, And and there are a couple of good examples of multiplexed uh, lateral flow assays that I know historically where it's multiple lines on a test. So basically it's a, a... physiological situation where there's potential, potentially multiple inputs. One example is drugs of abuse. Yes. Usually if an individual is abusing one drug, yeah. they're abusing several. several. And the question is, which ones? Yes. And the, the drugs of abuse uh, multiplex assays typically include things like THC for marijuana, yeah. um, cocaine, opiates for opiates, um, amphetamines, barbiturates, and maybe one or two others. Yes. And you know, so they look at all of those simultaneously. Yes. And in that event, you know, multiple colors would be useful. Uh, another good example of this is uh, sexually transmitted diseases. Yes. Where you get into geographies where if somebody has one, yeah. usually they're going to have more than one. So whether it's syphilis, gonorrhea, um, HIV, hepatitis A, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, you know, people are interested in looking at all of those together. And of course, there's a real classic, actually, uh, multiplex lateral flow assay for flu. Flu, yes. Flu A and flu B yes. are almost always on the same test strip yeah. because people want to know which flu do you have. Yes. And uh, I'm sure that in the early days, those were probably done with single color based systems, yeah. uh, realizing that a false positive at one line could not be distinguished from a false, yes. you know, from a, yeah. you know, a true positive. Uh, but you know those have the opportunity now to be developed with multiple colors. You know whether you know with multiple fluorescent, multiple fluorophores yes. uh, tied to a reader. Thank you very much. Okay, Thanks. you're welcome. Uh, my name is Yugi. My full name is Hugues Auger de Cremier. I work for uh, Millipore Sigma in the U.S., but it's Merck in uh, Europe. And my role is a technical specialist on uh, uh, solid support for lateral flow assays uh, in the case of polystyrene-based uh, uh, microspheres, uh, which are either colored, fluorescent, or magnetic for rapid assays. So how much importance you see in the multicolored label? Um, in our view of the market currently, uh, it's really a must to have various colors on the assay. Uh, to make it uh, as foolproof as possible. If you have only one color on the assay, and uh, especially if you have uh, several analyzes that you want to read, uh, it makes it more complicated actually to read the assay. Whereas if you've got several colors with multiple analyzes, um, each analyze can be determined by each color. So in terms of reading, it's a lot easier. And depending on the skill of the technicians, it will be a lot easier to actually get the right result at the, uh, at the right time. So in terms of multiplexing and color. Um, that's definitely a trend we see. Uh, more so that uh, 
uh, for qualitative you get the colors but also for quantitative you see not only the colors but also going forwards to uh, fluorescence and magnetic and what you what excites you the most about the colors and ultrafluorescence um the fact that uh, not only you're getting um, better results are just a yes no kind of answer but also when you move on to the second generation generation of assays uh, you with quantification you improve the sensitivity of the reading and the variability of the reading instead of your simple eye being able to qualify if it's positive or negative the fact that you can have a quantification an actual absolute result um, that is of good quality you will be able to remove that variability uh, retain the results because very often all the instrumentation you're going to have to read is going to be connected to limbs or you can by bluetooth or wi-fi you can actually get all these results um, uh, on the cloud and um, it removes a lot of uh, yeah difficulty of reading uh, from uh, person to person so it's it's very beneficial um, and from a chemistry point of view um, when you go from qualitative of colored products to uh, these new technologies when you read an, 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 uh, a reader um, it's going to be the same chemistry so for just uh, the processing of yeah. the uh, actual lateral flow it's quite easy from going from one generation to the next thank you very much my pleasure I appreciate all the best that's all from Sonacast this week thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss future episodes Also, make sure to follow us on social media to keep up to date with all the latest news and analysis from Team Sona. You can find us on Twitter at Sona Nanotech, on LinkedIn, just search for Sona Nanotech Inc., and on Instagram at Sona underscore Nanotech. Team Sona will be attending various industry events throughout 2019, including the Lateral Flow Workshop in Amsterdam, the Lateral Flow Course in San Diego, Medica in Dusseldorf, and AACC in Anaheim we will be recording future podcasts. If you'd like to be one of our special guests, please get in touch through any of our social media channels. Also, we would love to get your feedback on Sonacast, so please get in touch to let us know what you think, or if you have any ideas for future guests or content.